G'day friends. Medicine as a craft uses a bewildering amount of tools and disposable equipment. The sizing of equipment gets confusing. Tubes like catheters, nasogastric tubes, drain tubes, etc. have larger sizes as they get bigger. But for needles and cannulas, this is reversed. They have larger sizes as they get smaller. And suture thread seems to go in both directions. We're going to have to go all the way back to the 18th century, talk about two revolutions and three countries to get to the bottom of it on a truly low-yield romp through the history of gauges. I'm Jake Leonard, and this is Medium Yield. This podcast is recorded on Ewan and Geringer country. This is another history episode. As always, I try my best, but I'm no historian, so I apologise for any errors of fact. I'm also not your doctor, and this podcast does not contain any medical advice. If you have a medical concern, seek proper medical attention. Let's get into it. of measurement is long. The benefits of an agreed standard for trade and science and engineering are fairly obvious, and standardisation has always been a concern for governments. As early as the 13th century, the English Magna Carta declared that there should be one unit of measure throughout the realm. In the pre-industrial era, this ideal proved practically and technically challenging to achieve. Often, several local systems emerged that claimed adherence to some sort of standard, but were actually inconsistent with each other. This was the situation in France in the late 18th century, and it has been estimated that before the French Revolution there were about 800 different systems of measurement, and each of those different systems had varying definitions depending on which town you were in. The French Revolution brought in a wave of changes and presented an opportunity to fix this complicated system. In 1790, a scientific effort was made to come up with a better way. The history of this effort is pretty long and fascinating, but importantly for our discussion on different gauges, the French approached the British and the Americans with a proposal to come up with a joint definition, but this proposal didn't eventuate to much, so the French forged on alone. After a great scientific effort, in 1795 the metric system was formally defined in French law, and it contains now familiar elements like the metre, the litre and the gram. The adoption of the metric system was slow, even in the country that came up with it, and for a time, traditional measurements and the metric system coexisted in France, but with traditional measurements now defined in terms of the metric system. In 1840, the traditional systems of measurement were revoked in law, and the metric system became standard across France. Over the rest of the 19th century, the system spread throughout Europe, and in 1875, at the Treaty of the Metre, the system became an international standard. As all of this was going on in the 19th century, Joseph Frédéric Benoit Carrier was born in 1803 in Switzerland. He moved to France, aged 13, as an apprentice cutler, a cutler being somebody who makes sharp instruments. By all accounts, he was very good at what he did. Shortly after he opened his business, he came to the attention of the department head of surgery at Hotel Dieu, Guillaume de Poutrin. The story goes that a patient had presented in respiratory distress after swallowing a coin. An intern was set to procure the service of a cutler and ran to Carrier's workshop. Carrier dashed to the hospital with a graph hook and assisted in using it to remove the coin and save the patient. 
It was the start of a long professional relationship with Carrier becoming the private supplier of surgical instruments to Deputrin. And you may recognise Deputrin as the man who lent his name to Deputrin's contractures. Carrier's hard-working nature and perfectionism saw his reputation grow and he was soon supplying dozens of surgeons throughout Paris. He was innovative, often observed surgeries and dissections and when presented with an unusual or unexpected case would strive to rapidly create custom instruments to solve the problem. His innovations included a system of small notches on tools to allow an instrument to be left closed without requiring continuous application of pressure from a surgeon. Medical people will be familiar with this innovation in tools like hemostats and needle holders. Of relevance to this discussion on gauges, Carrier developed all sorts of tools for urology. In 1842, he derived a system for measuring urological tools, including catheters. This was only two years after the metric system had been made the only official system of measurement in France, and well before the metric system had been adopted throughout the rest of Europe. So the metric system was still very much a, a French invention at this stage. Carrier defined his gauge in thirds of millimetres, measuring the external diameter of a tube. So a 12-gauge tube is 12 thirds of a millimetre in external diameter, or 4 millimetres. Given that pi is close to 3, and the circumference of a circle is the diameter multiplied by pi, a 12-gauge tube also has an external circumference pretty close to 12 millimetres. English speakers, like me, have a hard time pronouncing Carrier's name. Accordingly, English-speaking countries adopted the name French Gauge for this system of measuring. The French Gauge is still used for urology equipment like catheters, as well as surgical drains and nasogastric tubes. While the French Revolution was taking place on the continent at the end of the 18th century, in Britain the Industrial Revolution had started. Rapid technological innovation saw factories springing up. In Warrington, about halfway between Liverpool and Manchester, Peter Stubbs founded the Stubbs Ironworks. One of the many things manufactured at this plant was wire. Iron wire is made using an old process. First, a sheet of iron is produced. Then, a thin strip of this sheet is cut and rolled into a thick wire. This wire is then drawn through a tapered hole where the thinner end of the hole is smaller than the wire. This process changes the shape of the wire. It makes the wire longer but thinner. Stubbs built up a reputation for this process. The gauge of a wire, the size of a wire, was therefore intimately re related to the draw plate being used. The initial rolled iron was at a gauge 1 at about three-tenths of an inch or seven and a half millimetres. After a draw through the plate, it became gauge two, and so on, each time reducing in size as the gauge number increased. Different companies ended up producing different gauges, but due to the properties of iron, they were surprisingly similar. When performing this drawing process, there is an optimal reduction in size. If you make a wire that is too small, it's liable to break, causing wastage. Similarly, if you make a wire that is too large, then you need to do more draws and the process becomes less efficient. It turns out that with iron, this sweet spot is about an 11% reduction in wire diameter with each draw. In 1830, Sir Joseph Whitworth developed the micrometer, 
a tool capable of measuring to within one millionth of an inch. Prior to this development, different companies measured their wires in the most practical way that they had, which was by the gauge of the draw plates that they utilised. You may recall as well that England had rebuffed the French offer to be involved in defining the metre in the 1790s, and so at this stage was still using imperial units. After the micrometer was developed, the Stubbs firm soon listed the equivalent of their gauge numbers in fractions of an inch. Over a period of several decades, there were repeated attempts to come up with a national standard for wire sizes. This process was described in the trade periodical Ironmonger as the Battle of the Gauges. An article by J.S. Pohl, referenced in the show notes, goes into great detail of this decades-long process. But by 1883, a standard had been arrived at which outlined the sizes of wire gauges in thousandths of an inch. The British Standard Wire Gauge bears a remarkable similarity to the Stubbs Wire Gauge. Stubbs Wire Gauge, Warrington Wire Gauge, Birmingham Wire Gauge and British Imperial Standard Wire Gauge are all slightly different but are functionally interchangeable. The difference in size between each gauge number in the system is not constant but there is about an 11% reduction in size between each gauge number. This system of measurement was used when hollow bore needles began to be manufactured in the early 20th century. Originally, tubes were made from very thin strips of carbon, which were rolled together and joined at a seam. This tube was then drawn through a small hole to achieve the required external diameter. Given that the wire gauge standard was in place at this time, needles manufactured using this process used that same gauge. In healthcare, we still use this system today. Apparently, the largest gauge needle available in a hospital is a frighteningly large 7 gauge, and the smallest at around 33 gauge. Cannulas used for blood donations are typically a 14 or 16 gauge needle, while cannulas inserted on a hospital ward for adults are typically in the 18 to 22 gauge range, and needles for injections are often smaller again. Stuck with me this far, well done. Who would have thought that a quick explanation on the history of size numbers would have been this complicated? But a final note on suture sizes. I struggled to find as much history behind these, so this last section is pretty short. Suture sizes, as we commonly use them, were defined by the United States Pharmacopoeia in 1937. If you look closely at a suture packet, you'll see the size listed as both the USP size, for example, 4.0 and a metric size, for example uh, 1.5, where this metric size is the size in tenths of millimetres. So 1.5 is actually a needle thickness of 0.15 millimetres. According to Wikipedia, suture sizes in the USP were originally from size 1 to 6, 1 being the smallest diameter and then going up to 6 being the largest. As production techniques improved, smaller sizes were able to be manufactured. The size smaller than a 1 was a size 0, then the next size smaller than 0 was 0, 0, and so on. Rather than saying 0, 0, which is a bit cumbersome, we just say 2O, and as the number of O's increases, the size of the suture decreases. The actual size associated with each suture gauge sometimes varies on the material being used. So for example, a synthetic 4O suture is 0.15mm while a collagen 4 suture is 0.2 millimetres. 
Also, the difference between sizes of sutures is not consistent across the scale. And I don't really have an explanation for this, sorry. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Medium Yield. Main sources for this article are two articles in 1987 by Kenneth Iverson, as well as the JS Poll article that I referenced earlier, and a lot of Wikipedia, and everything's linked to the show notes. I'm certainly not expecting this little podcast to rocket to the top of any podcast charts, but I'm really enjoying putting these together, and I appreciate the encouraging comments of friends, and I hope that you enjoy them and are finding them interesting. So thanks again. See you next time.